Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we talk about, well, you know, just about anything. Technology, business, politics, culture. This is Donya Keating. I'm your host. I'm coming to you live from the Seattle area. It's about 3 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday, December 11th. Listeners, uh, dial 646-378-0261 to offer live on-air questions or comments. Press 1 on your keypad. It's like raising your hand and uh, just letting us know you want to talk. Or you can fire up the chat feature, and then we'll try to fold your thoughts into our discussion, uh, your question. So today is another public service announcement of sorts, since I'm mostly flying solo without a designated guest. It's about bullying and how it impacts lives and tools out there to deal with it beyond the usual policy implementation many of us see in the schools or the school districts. Now, what sparked the topic is the recent news about a 12-year-old, uh, Ronan Shimizu, I think his name is pronounced. Don't, don't uh, quote me on that last uh, name pronunciation. But he was a sixth grader at Folsom Middle School, and I believe that's in California. And earlier this month, he committed suicide after schoolmates had bullied him for being a cheerleader, and the bullying had been going on for years. So to frame our discussion, we did some quick research and uh, found that according to the CDC, suicide is the third leading cause of death among young people, resulting in about 4,400 deaths per year. Uh, Bully victims are between two to nine times more likely to consider suicide than non-victims, and that's according to studies by Yale University. And a study in Britain found that at least half of suicides among young people are related to bullying. Uh, Also, 10 to 14-year-old girls may be even at a higher risk for suicide, um, according to that same study. And then according to stats that are reported by ABC News, nearly 30% of students are either bullies or victims of bullying, and 160,000 kids stay home from school every day because of fear of bullying. Now, a company that I've advised in the past created something called Anonymous Alerts. It's a tool which enables students to quickly report bullying or cyberbullying, depression, family problems, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, gang-related issues, sexual harassment or guns or weapons in schools, theft, vandalism, I mean, anything that's unusual student behavior which may warrant some type of immediate attention by school officials. And the, the system is supposed to be very simple to use. It's also very secure for both the students and the school officials. Now, my purpose here, just want to get this out here, is not to plug or endorse this product. I mean, I happen to know uh, the company and I know the CEO, but the notice regarding this service uh, just really, uh, it, they were selected as a top 100 reader's choice product for 2014, and that just happened to pop up in my LinkedIn stream the other day um, when I, we were already talking about covering the story about Ronan. It was just coincidence. So apparently, uh, this story has exploded in social media, 
and there is a GoFundMe page uh, raising money for Ronan or his family. And, of course, all of this raises the usual questions about how we can better uh, uh, implement steps to stop things like this, since there was also news of a 13-year-old, Peyton James of Texas. He took his own life in October, and he had been targeted by his peers since second grade. So the questions, where are the schools? Where are the parents of the bullies in this? And where are the students to stop the train before it derails and pushes someone who is already fragile over the edge? So the other piece is, you know, that really hits a lot of us, especially when we were looking at this story, is how young they are. I mean, these are... 10, 12, 11-year-old kids, and you wonder, you know, how and where, uh, not only the the people that are the victims of suicide, but the perpetrators and where they learned that it was acceptable behavior to to, to bully someone like this, especially when it's clear how much their words or actions are causing another person so much harm or so much grief. So there was one article where a bullying prevention expert and ex, uh, ex- educator spoke about students who use social media to show their anti-bullying support. And I think the example was that some student had come up to her and said, you know, when she was talking in person about um, battling bull- bullying or whatever, and this person said to her, well, did you see my uh, tweet of support about this? And and so her comment to them was basically, you know, I know this is an effective tool and I know it's easy to do and use social media, but showing up in person and at the school when the things are happening might might be more effective and might reduce more occurrences. So it's kind of an interesting take since we're talking about using social media and anonymous um, social media as that to try to, to uh, offset some of these issues. And then the other flip side of the social media outpouring is kids that are on the verge of suicide. You know, you see all of these loving tributes and, and reinforcement of the you'll miss me when I'm gone thinking that sometimes comes with wanting to end someone's life. So it's rather complex and you have to be careful um, about some copycatting, I guess, is, is what the, the word would be or the phrase would be um, in terms of suicide or thoughts of suicide. But back to Ronan's story. Um, he was taken out of school and homeschooled because the quote-unquote appropriate actions by the school officials weren't working. And not only was he the only boy on the cheerleading squad, but he was interested in other things, uh, fashion and rowing, uh, art, and I think he was also a scout. So it's it's probably more accurate to say that he was bullied not just for uh, you know, being on the cheerleading squad, but you know, probably not just being the norm because he, he was, you know, he just wasn't adhering to all of these these, these rigid gender-based stereotypes. Either way, you know, just want to be clear here that we know bullying and suicide are two distinct issues, and we know that bullying's not the only cause of suicide. Uh, sometimes you still have to acknowledge that those at the highest risk of suicide are bullies, uh, as well as bullies who are also bullied. And we're also not trying to directly blame individual bullies here for Ronan's suicide since there are other factors that could have been at play or may be at play. But it is also still worth noting, once again, that suicide is the second leading cause of death after accidents for young people between the ages of 10 and 24. So, you know, being conscious of how our kids are feeling uh, regarding school, having open communication between parents and students and, and administrators and teachers, staying on top of these incidents, creating safe spaces within the schools, uh, educating students so they're less likely to single out classmates who don't conform to you know, rigid gender, gender-based expectations. And, and these are some of the ways you know, to constructively affect change regarding bullying and uh, suicide prevention. And you know, also, what's the big deal about a boy cheerleading? You know, it's a sport. 
you know, I know that it's quite often dismissed as frivolous or silly, and, and we even have people in our own neck of the woods that really don't like it because they feel that it, it objectifies young girls and, you know, the short skirts and, you know, whatever, and then you hear people saying, go out there and shake your money maker, and it's, you know, it's just the, the messaging, and some people just really don't support it, but you know, how many of people that are actually dismissing it or, or, or attaching a lot of stereotypes to it, how many of them even know uh, what's involved with it? So we might have someone call in today who's a male cheerleader to talk about their experience. I'll, I'll check with Chris on the uh, board to see if they are around. And if they don't, we'll just talk about other things. But a lot of these kids, unfortunately, feel they're alone and have no one they can talk to about what they're experiencing. And, and sometimes parents or others do know, but they only have so many tools in their toolbox to deal with this. So just to stop for a quick second and say, if you know um, someone or if you are someone who is in crisis, uh, there's Trevor Project's Trevor Lifeline, and that number is 866-488-7386. And then there's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that number is 800 273 8255. And these are around-the-clock avenues to consider um, for getting help when you're in crisis. So let's just take a minute here and talk about um, anonymous alerts. The premise here is that anonymous reporting of bullying increases you know, student safety. I'm sure there are going to be counter-arguments about that, especially given the risk of tool abuse. And we've all seen what happens in social media when people have anonymous access to, to a tool. So, you know, it can, it can degrade the, uh, the, the original intent of that tool. But in general, the uh, goal is to keep schools in the loop regarding urgent student concerns and increase the flow of actionable information to administrators who can quickly address problems as they arise. And uh, K-12 Alerts is the company that provides emergency messaging systems to a lot of different schools. So this is one of their products, and it's another service that students or parents in the school use to submit the suspicious activity or whatever or sensitive information to school officials. And then the company hosts the page for the district or the school, then you link to your custom school branded and anonymous alerts page, and then you download like iPhone or app or Android's app or whatever, and then you place your incidents reports. So, so for a student, you know, as an example, I mean, you could be anonymous, obviously, and you can have one or two-way dialogue with school officials. You can attach um, or upload a photo or a screenshot. So if it's you know evidence or you're seeing something or whatever, you can do that. Um, and, you know, the, using an iPhone or an iPad or a smartphone or a tablet app or whatever, it makes it really widely accessible. So that's, that's kind of a plus. And then there's a customized hosted system. So the district website links to their hosted pages. And then for the administrators, it kind of brings them into compliance with the bullying laws and requirements that are out there. And they're able to communicate directly with students through private anonymous messages. And then you can forward the message to other school officials. And then they also have like a robust system of archiving the messages so that you can immediately access them again or you can manage incidents and follow up and and do note taking and append to that and then there's also an international language uh, tool a translation tool that's a part of that and then the school um, can have a one-year license per school building or you can have a district-wide license that can be purchased at a discounted rate so if the school is already using something like k-12 alerts for instance it would be bundled with anonymous uh, alerts so um and just you know, just a quick personal uh, sharing, and then I'll just open the lines and see who's out there. But we've experienced some bullying 
incidents in our family a couple of years back, but we were really rabid and very aggressive about nipping it in the butt. And and so, you know, parents who adopt the not my kid and I'm never going to hear anything you say about what's happening here attitude, they could be quite a challenge, but we were just not going to tolerate that. And I know that, you know, when, when I mentioned earlier appropriate action in quotes by the district, we have some great people that are in our district and in our schools, and they were going through the policy motions. They had their meetings. They were, you know, extensive documentation and conversations and bringing the kids in and doing what they had to do, but it, it really wasn't getting it done either. And we even got our attorney involved, which may seem like overkill to some, but it was it was causing a lot of stress in our home, and our kid didn't want to go to school and started getting physical ailments and not wanting to eat and, and starting to withdraw, and we just we just weren't going to have it. I mean, there there was going to be a resolution, and we were adamant about that. And if we could not find a way to go through the system uh, and deal with it uh, appropriately, then we were going to try to outreach to the parents directly and say, this needs to stop, and it needs to stop now. So I, I really just can't even imagine what a parent goes through um, when they have so much trauma with their child, and it persists for so many years and escalates, and, and they're not able to, to help or stop it, given the tools that are available. So I look out here and I see somebody on the board, so let me click and see who's out there and let's just talk a little bit about whatever's on their mind. Hello, who's out here? Hello? Hello. Oh, good. There is somebody out here. This is Charles, my favorite. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if somebody <laughs> else was calling in, so I, I was listening in. Well, we were supposed to have someone, um, and, and we understand the risk because we didn't want to give out any names and we didn't want to talk about school districts or areas or anything of, of, of anyone who might call in. And we also wanted to make sure they were over 18 so that they didn't have to get permission from their parents. Um, but we didn't want to put them in any type of um, precarious position to talk about their experience as a male cheerleader. And we were going to ask them, and if they do show up, we're going to ask them why they chose it and if they were trying to you know, convince somebody else to get involved, how would they sell it? I mean, what's the... You know, how do you view cheerleading? You know, is it a sport? Is it something that brings discipline? Is it the camaraderie? So, you know, that's something we were going to explore. And then we were going to ask them if they've been harassed or bullied as a result of doing it. So if they show up, we'll ask them. And if they don't, we'll just talk to you. So what are your thoughts about some of the, you know, this incident with this kid and obviously so many other kids? But um, suicide, not, you know, especially with social media and people that are on Facebook and their phones and texts and what are your thoughts about some of these things, including the tools that I talked about earlier, if you heard that? Um, I think that the tools that you mentioned are great. I think we're always going to deal with people feeling uncomfortable with people that are different than themselves, making different choices. You know, and I think it was like, uh, okay, we'll use Bill, Bill, um, uh, Bill Crosby. Okay, well, you're not the same color as me. Okay, that's going to be the reason I don't like you. Okay, we're the same color, but what side of the tracks did you come on? Did your family come from money? Okay, we're going to use that to decide we don't like you. Or, okay, we, we came from the same side of the tracks, and our parents come from money, and we're the same color. Well, then, what's the label inside your coat? I mean, I, I just think, you know, prejudice uh, doesn't really know any bounds, and I think that's part of what you're dealing with. Um, just educating people that, you know, differences are okay. And to be able to work with uh, richness and differences, um, hey, if a boy wants to go out and, and do cheerleading, great. Um, does that mean the other boys that don't go out and cheerleading are bad, or does that mean that he's bad? I don't think so. Um, so I think that's just where it goes. But I've also, when it comes to dealing with issues of reported bullying, 
we've seen both sides of the uh, equation. Uh, being bullied or being accused of being a bully when you're not. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't want people to think, you know, as soon as somebody makes an accusation that everybody has to jump full force. And I think we ran into that situation. Oh, we're going to create this kind of plan, and XYZ is like, wait a second, is this even, is this even happening? And, uh, you know, we shine the light on it, and it just kind of all disappeared and evaporated. And it was kind of like, well, I'm glad we didn't go down that road, you know, and get all this stuff involved uh, when nothing was really happening. Other than accusations. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I and I think you know a couple of things that you brought up. The first one was the whole Bill Cosby thing, and I don't know if there's any context around that for those listening, because right now the only time you hear about Bill Cosby right now is with his growing list of, of rape victims. But it really, I think that deliberately because here's the thing. Okay, you hear about all that. And that becomes the whole idea of why we don't have to listen to anything the guy's ever said, because that's all that's in the news right now. And I'm just saying is, even if somebody gave you a message, you enjoyed him, you, you love something he said, that doesn't mean that's all of a sudden now invalid. I'm not saying that the, 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 the people coming forward with accusations right now are not right. Absolutely. But, I mean, it just goes to show you prejudice works in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's going back and rewriting history. So, oh, I can't, I can't remember anything that that person said that was good that I, that I found valuable in my life because now somebody's come forward and said something bad. I think it goes both ways. You know, we don't well, want our heroes to, to, to find out, you know, something was wrong or all, all, these, all these years doesn't mean everything that they've ever did that was good is not good. It also means we well, don't sweep things under the rug really, if they're, if my, they're not going to be true. My point wasn't really to... My point wasn't yeah. really to go into this whole thing about Bill Cosby. I was actually just laying the, the groundwork to say, you know, the whole thing that you mentioned about making making the comparison between the differences and how people always find them is that I met him oh, yeah. on a few occasions. And on this particular occasion, um, I had gone to see, I think I had gone to a, a jazz show somewhere in New York or whatever. And he happened to be in, a, in the audience sitting a table away. And so people obviously said, you know, come up and make a few remarks. And so what you were talking about, earlier is one of those remarks is where he said that people just have a propensity for looking for differences and for reasons to hate and that we always think of it in terms of black versus white or white versus Asian or whatever but he said that even if you take it down to its most common denominator where both people are white and both people are wealthy and both people are in the same neighborhood, then it'll be one side of the street versus the other, or it'll be the Irish versus the English, or it'll be the Catholic versus the Protestants. And he, he just used that as an example to illustrate, as you were saying earlier, that you know we have bully, we have a bullying problem, and we have a quote-unquote intolerance problem because it's a part of humanity, and we always find ways to single people out based upon their differences. Um, and the other thing about the bullying and the, su- the suicide link and so forth is, you know, you brought up another interesting point in that sometimes the accusation of bullying is a part of bullying. And it it gets very complex because in our situation, someone was coming up with some very, very elaborate and and very unusual um, accusations about what our kid was doing, and they were completely out of character. Um, And there were so many witnesses around that kept saying, no, this didn't happen. No, this wasn't said. And yet the situation kept escalating, and it became a source of extreme frustration for us. And, of course, for the other person, because they were believing their child and not in any way open to the possibility that their child was just trying to get ours in trouble. So it was just really kind of a very um, unfortunate situation. And you have to figure out, 
that balance between that not my child and it's and I think I know my child and the possibility that you may not know them as well as you think you do and and how you how you deal with a situation like this when you really don't know what's going on how do you get to the bottom of it um and then you also have the children as we mentioned earlier who don't even tell their parents what what's going on or what's happening it gets very much internalized especially if it's not necessarily just at school but in social media where the parents aren't really um seeing on on social media or on Facebook or wherever it's happening um some of the things that are said about that person yeah correct and um how do you, how do you tell i mean it, you know, this is kind of like like law. You know, you gotta you gotta evaluate everything. You you have to keep boiling it away till you understand what the truth is. But you, and and your point was exactly taken. I mean, it wasn't to take the light off of bullying and talk about Bill Crosby, but just that people do find differences, and that's part of uh, I think the what the processes of trying to find out what the truth is of a matter. And I just see, I see a comment coming in saying, "What are the parents doing?" And they should teach their children better values. And of course, um, that that goes without saying. But of course, the other counterpoint to that is sometimes you can do everything right with your child. You can instill them with the proper values. You can tell them about right from wrong. You can let them know the consequences of their behavior. You can even, you know, tell them there are going to be punishments as a result of misbehaving. But the bottom line is that there are some kids that go out there and find a way to do things their own way and pushing back against their parents is, is part of the process of establishing, you know, their own identity. So you can't just always say to a parent that they have to be someplace you know, 24-7, 365, monitoring their child, helicoptering over them to make sure that every single thing they do um, is on point. So, I, you know, I agree with the chatter that says that, you know, you have to have better parenting skills and, and put the values down. But I, I don't think that your first reaction should be to try to blame the parents. I think you should try to understand where their child is coming from at, or their children and where they felt that that was okay. The other dynamic is that there are some kids that have tremendously intact values and they're great kids, and then they do the you know the me lie thing. You get in a group, and all of a sudden it's okay because you can hide behind this group dynamic. And that's do you want to talk about that, Charles, a little bit? Oh, in other words, um, there's our collective in, in individual actions, and then. Um, because of peer pressure. Well, I think in a lot of ways bullying is just about that, too. Um, why do kids bully other kids? Well, the bully is getting attention. He's getting power. He gets something out of it. I think sometimes people look at it like, oh, the, the, the poor bully, because uh, he, he didn't grow up right. It, it did. He's actually getting something out of it. Um, and, you know, we don't want to feed that, that, that symptom. And that's why sometimes you just got to kind of nail the situation between the eyes and say, nope, <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I think that's all I want to say about that, other than um, it, it, all it is required for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing, and that applies to uh, any situation where somebody is doing somebody wrong, and a lot of people, if they don't want to get involved, that whole situation can pervade and continue. Do you think that schools or district? I mean, I, I, obviously, uh, schools do have 
uh, nurses and they even have counselors, but do you think that they're really equipped to deal with someone that, for instance, grew up abused or bullied and now they're acting out versus, you know, there's a different dynamic in play when versus someone who just consciously decides they're just going to beat the crap out of somebody or intimidate them versus someone who's just sort of perpetuating a cycle of, of abuse or behavior that they've grown up with. I mean, how do you deal with a student like that in a school environment um, on a daily basis? Um, I, I think they do quite a job. I, I know that there's, you know, the schools have a huge investment in anti-bullying uh, procedures and counselors and, you know, both the, uh, the, the district leaders as well as, you know, the, the, the whole hierarchy of the school system is, is very tuned to dealing with this problem and creating a safe environment. In some, in some ways, I think they, you know, probably try to go overboard to try to create a more uniform environment. Well, maybe, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Um, I could be completely all wet on that, uh, whether or not they, they, they do enough, they do too much, they do too little. I see a lot of awareness of anti-bullying procedures in the schools. People say it still happens, but I see them also trying to be very proactive in dealing with it. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe they're they're doing it just the right amount, and um, you know we'll we'll get better information. I, the one thing I do know for sure, we have one child in school, so we have a very limited point of view. Others, I mean, for them, you know, they're dealing with hundreds, if not thousands, of kids, and um, you know, so they are obviously much more aware of the breadth of so many different situations that are out there. So, you know, hats off to them and what they're able to do. What do you think about the anonymous alerts tool that we're talking about? Do you think that uh, it's something that would really be effective in, in, in implementing in a school environment? Do you think that obviously there's going to be uh, instances where somebody's going to abuse it? And that actually in itself can become, somebody just noticed or wrote up on the chat, that this could actually become another bullying tool. So if you want to get back at you know person B over there, then you can write anonymously, not be held accountable for it, and say so-and-so just kicked so-and-so down the stairs. There's no picture, there's no supporting documentation, but it kick-starts, you know, no pun intended, an entire cycle of reporting and meetings and everything else to get that, that person in, in trouble. So that, that that was a good point. Thanks for raising that, um, listener. What do you think about uh, using, and we've got about a couple of minutes, the, the uh, anonymous alerts, pros and cons? I tend to think that if you see something and you report it, um, I would prefer not to be anonymous because I want them to refer to me. I want them to use my information. I mean, the only time I think when you start talking about having to do anonymous reporting is if you're going to report on the mob and the mob would come and kill you to, to silence you as a potential witness, then you got a point that anonymity is absolutely essential when your life is in danger. If a bully is picking on your kid in school and, or, you know, you're a student and you witness some bullying and you take a picture, the stu- the, I think that the, 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 uh, the school authorities who see something should be able to know who's reporting it in terms of a student. Now, they can keep that anonymous as a report, but at least they're getting a way to go back to that student and say, okay, you took a picture, you saw something, fine. Obviously, everything should still be based at some level upon evidence because you're right. You don't want somebody using an anonymous tool to just say, well, I saw something, but, you know, that was it. I don't have any evidence. I didn't snap a photo. You know, I can't tell you about who else might have been standing there or who else might have actually seen it, you know, who could corroborate this story. I I think you have to take everything in, in, in a view of 
you know, what can be proven, you know, and the more information you have, the better off it is. So anonymous reporting, I guess it's, it's okay, but I would, you know, somebody said, you know, consider the source when you're dealing with, you know, unverified type of reports. Um, you know, it can be useful if somebody had no idea something was happening. Um, sure, when I was going to school, you know, a billion years ago, um, you know, there was a kid that was kind of a, a tormentor bully, and, but he was very careful to make sure he wouldn't be seen or wouldn't be, you know, shown doing something. I think nowadays, day and age, it's getting to more to the point where, you know, if there's a camera in a hallway and they can see a situation, somebody reports it, they can go back and look at the, uh, the video and see if, you know, see if how that verifies out. Something along those lines. I think that's probably where things are going to head eventually. Right now, they haven't been able to do that, but there's no reason why they can't shoot a, you know, to put a put a small video camera up in a hallway and use it to record and make sure there's no bullying incidents there. Of course, that's not going to solve all problems. I mean, you know, what are you going to do in the locker room and things like that? So, you know, certain things are going to just still happen. You know, we're just going to have to deal with them one at a time. Well, I appreciate your comments. I see a lot of other chat comments and, and the questions flying on the screen, but they're they're echoing pretty much what we've discussed. So thanks for that and for tuning in this afternoon. And uh, as usual, this broadcast is going to shortly uh, be available as a podcast on our Blog Talk Radio site, which is probably where you're listening to this right now, on our Facebook page at backslash STR8 Talk Radio. That's Sammy, Tommy, Roger, the number eight in talk radio. Um, or you can also go on to... Um, iTunes, and you can see in the upper right-hand corner there on the page that um, that's where our icon is. So follow us, like us, spread the word, keep in touch. Not a you know a happy topic, but something we had to take care of today. And if you have any more thoughts, just contact us. This is your host, Donya Keating. I'm signing off at about 3.30 Pacific Time on Thursday, December 11th. We'll see you next week. Might not be Thursday, but stay tuned for details. Thank you.